Good morning, friends. My name is Matt Stone. Welcome to worship at Dunwoody United Methodist Church. Before I share my last message with you, I want to take just a moment to say thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to work alongside you for the last two years in growing the kingdom of God here in Dunwoody. It's been a joy and a pleasure to work with you over these last couple years. We're grateful for this time here. Friends, I want to share one more time that the story that we're going to look at on this Pentecost Sunday is one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. It's one of my favorite really for two reasons. One, there's a geographical component. Uh, And if you've heard me preach at all over the last couple of years, you know that when there's a geographical element to the story that we're going to explore together, my heart beats a little faster and I get a little bit more excited. I also love it because there's an Old Testament background here that we forget a little too often. And as N.T. Wright likes to say, that Old Testament background peaks around the corner throughout the story that we're going to explore today. And I just, I really just love it. Last week, if you remember, we started in the book of Acts. We've spent much of the year in the gospel of Luke. We're moving now to the book of Acts, which tells the story of the growth and challenges faced by the early church. And at the beginning of chapter one in Acts, we hear Jesus tell his disciples to stay in Jerusalem and await the promise of the Father. And we find out that that the promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit that's going to come upon the disciples in power as they become witnesses of Jesus uh, in, uh, in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that's what we explored last Sunday as we looked at the ascension of Jesus. Now, on the back half of chapter one, we hear the story of the disciples selecting the replacement for Judas, and his name is Matthias. And then we come to the beginning of chapter two, and and, and it begins like this. It says, uh, when the day of Pentecost had come, that's the first line in Acts chapter two, when the day of Pentecost had come. Now, one of the things that we forget too often is that Pentecost wasn't a Christian invention. The story that we're going to look at today, a story that some of you are probably familiar with, some of you this will be new, but some of you are familiar with, we sometimes think, well, that's the first time that Pentecost enters into the life and history of God's people, but that's not true. The festival of Pentecost is actually an Old Testament festival. It was called the Feast of Weeks in the Old Testament, and it really focused on two things. In part, it was an agricultural celebration. It was a celebration at the beginning of the wheat harvest, and God's people would bring the first fruits of the wheat harvest and offer them to God as a way of saying, thank you, God, for providing for us. And it was also an act of trust and saying, God, we trust that you will continue to provide for us uh, and, and walk with us. But the second meaning behind the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost, as we call it, it goes all the way back to the Exodus story. After the people of God were delivered from Egypt in the Passover story, they traveled through the wilderness, and about 50 days after they leave Egypt, they arrive at Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is where God chooses to meet Moses, where God offers the law to Israel, this way of of living and being that will lead Israel to the good life. This is where God meets Moses in a cloud on top of Mount Sinai. All that happens about 50 days after the Passover story. And that length of time, 50, becomes the source of the timing for the, for the celebration that you and I know as Pentecost, penta meaning five, or 50 rather. So this story has Old Testament roots, uh, and it's one of three Old Testament festivals that were considered pilgrimage festivals, where all of the Jews were invited to come back to Jerusalem to celebrate this incredibly important uh, festival 
in Jerusalem. So the whole world, in a sense, is gathered about 50 days after Passover, so about seven weeks after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, as the story unfolds, I want you to hear what happens on this, on this day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all gathered together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a rush, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared, to, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in, the, in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. What we hear is that the promise that Jesus articulated to the disciples in Acts chapter 1 has been fulfilled. Remember, he commands the disciples, wait in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit, is given to you. What happens on this Pentecost is that the promise of the Father is finally given to the disciples. This is the day of fulfillment of that promise. And really, it brings to mind pretty quickly two questions for us. Now, if you've been around church for, uh, for a long time, you probably already have some understanding of this. But even for those who have been around church, when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, things start to get muddy pretty quick. The Holy Spirit's not uh, an entity that we are comfortable with as a general rule. So I just want to answer two questions that pop up pretty quickly. The first is, who is the Holy Spirit? And the second is, what does the Spirit do? When we start thinking about this, I love how Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14. In John 14, throughout that chapter, we hear Jesus teaching, and part of his teaching reveals to us uh, something about the Holy Spirit. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is going to be an advocate, right? Somebody who's going to speak on your behalf, somebody who's going to advocate for you. The Holy Spirit is going is to be a spirit of truth, right? To help us discern between what is false and what is true, what are lies and what is truth, what is uh, not of God and what is of God. The Holy Spirit, Jesus tells us, is going to abide with us forever. I love this notion. We're going to return to that in a moment, that the Spirit is going to abide, is going to live with us and in us forever. Jesus tells us that the, the Spirit is going to teach us. We have so much to learn about uh, who God is and so much to learn about what God is calling us to do in this world. And then Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is going to remind us of all that Jesus has said. And that's the part that I want to focus on this morning. There's so much that we could focus on as we explore this question of who the Spirit is. But this notion of reminding, it, it captures me in a particular way in this moment. I think one of the core afflictions or core diseases of humanity is amnesia. I, I can't tell you how many times in my own life I have forgotten something that happened in the past, right? I have forgotten something good that God has done. I have forgotten a lesson that I've learned about what not to do in the past. And I think as we look at humanity as a whole, the same thing can be said. We forget who God is. We forget the lessons that we've learned even in our rebellion. We hear this throughout the Old Testament too, by the way, as time and time again, God invites the Israelites not to forget who it was that brought you out of Egypt. God says, remember the Lord your God over and over again, because I think God understands that, uh, that part of our affliction, that part of one of the core diseases that afflicts us is that we forget who God is, who we are, and who God is calling us to be. So when Jesus says that the Spirit of God is going to remind us of what Jesus has said, 
I think this is a powerful element that we have to keep in mind. And think about this. The Spirit's role is to remind us of who God is, right? That God is the, God is the shepherd in Luke 15 who risks his life in the wilderness to find the broken sheep. God is the woman in Luke 15 who, who looks in every nook and cranny waiting to find that, that which is valuable. God is the father in the, prodig- in the story of the prodigal son, the one who keeps his eyes on the horizon waiting for that moment, waiting and hoping for that moment when, when his children will come over the horizon on their journey home. This is who God is and what the Spirit reminds us of constantly. The Spirit reminds us of who we are as well. The Spirit reminds us that we were created by God. Our story doesn't begin in Genesis 3 with the fall. Our story begins in Genesis 1 as the creation of God. We have been given worth, divine worth by God, and we are loved and valued by God in spite of our brokenness. Our story begins, who we are begins in God's creation of us. The Spirit of God reminds us who God is, reminds us who we are, and the Spirit of God reminds us of how we are called to live in this world. That we are called to be a community of people who love God deeply with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and who love our neighbors as ourselves. This is what the Spirit, this is who the Spirit is in our life. This is the promise that is being fulfilled before our very eyes in Acts chapter 2. But the story goes on, and I need you to buckle up for what I'm about to read because things get pretty intense. But as we look at not just who the Spirit is, but what the Spirit does here as the church is finding its new life in front of our eyes, Things get a little crazy. Listen to this. This is verse 5. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. Remember that part of that story is Jews from all over the world have come to Jerusalem for the Feast of Weeks, for the Pentecost celebration. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in a native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Aren't all these followers who are speaking in tongues, aren't they all from Galilee and northern Israel? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. Now, two things I want to say about this. If you go Google, and I'd encourage you to do this, Go Google map of Pentecost nations. What you will notice is that the nations that we just read encircle Jerusalem. And if you can imagine the wheel of a bicycle, if Jerusalem is the hub and you drew lines like spokes on a wheel to all the nations that we just listed, what you would find is that Jerusalem is encircled. It's as though the entire world is represented in this Pentecost moment. And what the Spirit makes possible is for the entire world to have access to the gospel story of God's love, grace, and forgiveness 
through the person of Jesus Christ. This is what the Spirit empowers on this Pentecost Sunday. The Spirit makes it possible for all of them to hear the story of God's desire to be in relationship, for them all to hear the story of God's desire for the world to be set right again. That's what the Spirit does on this Pentecost, on this first Christian Pentecost day. It is a truly I think, incredible day, not only for what happens in the moment, and for goodness sake, we could spend so much time trying to figure out what do the tongues of fire look like and sound like, and what was the wind? We could spend a lot of time talking about that, but I want to zoom out for a moment and realize that this moment that we're bearing witness to now, that we're remembering 2,000 years later, was the fulfillment not just of Jesus' promise of the Spirit. It was the fulfillment of God's covenant with Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12. Remember all the way back at the beginning of our story, God says to Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great nation. I'm going to give you a home, a land to live in. And through you, I'm going to bless all the families of the earth. What we see in Pentecost is the beginning of a movement empowered by the Spirit that will grow throughout the world and invite the whole of creation into relationship with God. This Pentecost Sunday is the fulfillment of all of God's promises up to this point. Now, look, in the Old Testament, a lot of times when we think about the Spirit, when we hear about the Spirit, we hear about the Spirit more often than not as inhabiting or or visiting one person at a time and for a limited time. But the beauty, part of the beauty of Pentecost is that now the Spirit is available to all people at all times. No longer do we live in a world in which the Spirit is only accessible by one person for a limited amount of time. We now, because of the work of Christ, because of the gift of the Holy Spirit, we all have access to the Spirit of God. We all have access to the Advocate, to the truth. We all have access to that who abides with us forever. We all have access to the teacher. We all have access to the one who reminds us who God is and who we are and how we're called to live in this world. We all have access to the the spirit of peace that lives within us. Brothers and sisters, have we ever needed this more in our lives? Friends, there is too much work to be done in this world. There is too much that is not yet as God would hope it would be. There is too much that that is not what God's will is. There is too much that distracts us and, and helps us to forget who God is. We need the Spirit in our lives now more than ever. Come, Holy Spirit, be poured out upon us. Brothers and sisters, may you be a church. May you be a church that continues pursuing the faithful life that God made you to live, that God created you for. May you be a church that is so filled with the Holy Spirit that out of the overflow of God's love in your life, the community around you would be transformed. May you be a community in which all of God's people are invited to the table, can hear the gospel story of grace, healing, truth, and love, 
and encounter the risen Christ together. Friends, Pentecost Sunday is who we are called to be as a church. Blessings on you as you continue to be the church who God made you to be. Amen.